Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What a weekend should make for a fun Monday afternoon edition of Sports Talk Mississippi with you at the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Ceasefire text line is open on this Monday at 601-879-4395. Connect and protect. That's the plan from Ceasefire that you want if you're a parent. It's the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. Just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire customer inspired. Michael Borky, always the front runner, sporting his Saints gear today after a win. Didn't see that the uh, week before. It's all right. It's it's okay. Good to see you, Bork. Happy uh, Happy Monday. If I did that to you about the Yankees, but you, you can't wear say? Yankees gear because they missed the playoffs because they have the biggest payroll in sports and they still yeah, they suck. Were terrible. They were awful. Awful. Hey, no. Dad. It's just finally jacket Monday. weather. That's all. I've, I've got. I, I can't wear T-shirts. Well, I guess one of us three can wear T-shirts, but but I can't wear T-shirts, mm-hmm. and that's all I got. And so now that it's jacket weather, I've I've got Saints jackets that yeah, I can. Yeah, well, maybe there's a couple the of uh, new genteel pullovers that are on the way for you as well. Hey, Perhaps. And the 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 black one that I've got, a guy came up to me at the Sanderson and was like. Is that a Saints? And he kind of looked closely, and it was the Super Talk logo. He's like, oh, that would be a really great Saints jacket. And I thought, hmm, that's an idea. It is. It is uh, yeah. an idea. Hey, Dad told me last week that he is perilously close to capturing the 3X for his Genteel gear, and he's so excited about it. <clears throat> that, hey, yes, that'll be a, that, that will be a special, special yeah. order when I make that one yes. for you. You, you, you will be set, I promise you. All right, it was a, right. a college football weekend that had a lot of stuff. So, let's blitz. Ohio State stays undefeated. Had an interesting matchup with Maryland. Took a while to get going. Maryland had the early lead. In fact, they were out in front 10 to nothing. It was 10 apiece at the half. It was 22-17 Ohio State after three quarters, but all Buckeyes in the final 15 minutes. They scored the final 17 of the game and won it 37-17. First loss of the year for the Terrapins. Great game with an incredible backdoor cover, depending on which side you were on, in Columbia, Missouri. LSU with a pick six at the end of the ball game to hit that backdoor cover and get a 10-point win, 49-39. 
first loss of the year for what was number 21 Missouri. Really entertaining football game. We'll get into that coming up a little bit more. Uh, Jaden Daniels didn't throw it as much, 15-21, but efficient, 259 and three touchdowns. Logan Diggs went for a buck 34. Brady Cook threw for 395 and a couple of touchdowns, but he was picked off twice in the game. Maybe the game of the day, maybe the game of the day, Red River. Oklahoma and Texas split that cotton bowl right down the middle with half burnt orange and half crimson. Oklahoma scores at the very end. They answer a Texas touchdown late with a touchdown of their own. 34-30 OU over Texas. That's going to be an SEC game next year. Dylan yeah, Sankey Gabriel was there. Uh, he was? Uh, shaking hands with Matthew McConaughey. So. Yeah. Yeah, Matthew just staking his claim. Coming into the SEC fold in the uh, the near future, Dylan Gabriel efficient, two eighty five through the air and a touchdown on the ground. He carried it fourteen times for a buck thirteen and a score. Quinn Ewers three hundred forty six yards passing, a touchdown, but two picks and a bad fumble. Maybe the difference in the ball game. You noticing something, Georgia? Notwithstanding, the best, most uh, most impressive team so far in college football this year experienced quarterbacks. Not the best, not the most talented quarterbacks. Dylan Gabriel's not the best nor the most talented. He's played a ton while. of football, and it shows. UCLA wins at It's not happening everywhere. At... Not everywhere. Mm. You didn't have to. Mm. You didn't have to go there. 25-17 UCLA over Wazoo at the Rose Bowl. Bruins are now 4-1. Washington State falls to 4-1 on the year. North Carolina, with uh, Tez Walker in the mix, wins big at home over Syracuse, 40-7. to The whole Drake May not having a great year throwing the football, well, that changed on Saturday. 442 yards and three touchdowns for the Tar Heels quarterback. Alabama-Texas A&M in College Station. Big crowd, a lot of nice people, not an intimidating place to play, other than the fact that it's big. Not a great game. Alabama 26-20. Jalen Milrow, yeah, Jalen Milrow, he was good. 21 of 33, 321 yards, three touchdown passes. He is getting better as a quarterback before our eyes. Max Johnson for A&M, 14 to 25, 239, and a touchdown. Jimbo's clock in game management is mind-numbing for a guy that has a national championship win. He's not the only one with bad clock management. He's, he's getting away with it this weekend because of what else happened. Iowa 20-14. to The Hawkeyes improved to 5-1. That means they are only two wins away from half of the equation that saves Brian Ferentz's job. The other half, well, they got work to do. They're averaging 22.2 points per game. They must average 25 points per game for the offensive coordinator to retain his job. That deal gets weirder and weirder every single week. Kansas was out there was without their starting quarterback, Jalen Daniels. It did not matter. Jayhawks roll over UCF. Kind of a bumpy start to Big 12 play for UCF. 51-22, Rockshaw, Jayhawk, KU. Uh, John Rice Plumley did return, but played limited in the ballgame. Florida Gators, 38-14 at home over Vanderbilt. In other news, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sale? Graham Mertz was the best he has been since maybe his first game at Wisconsin. 30 of 36, 254 yards, and three touchdowns in the win. And uh, Florida had plenty of success 
running the football in that game as well. Trent Dilfer got his second win as a head coach at college, and it was a little surprising. Beat the heck out of South Florida in Birmingham on Saturday. 56-35, to the Blazers with the win. Big day throwing the football for Jacob Zeno, their quarterback. I don't know exactly what Dion meant when he said, yeah, we won, but we didn't really win. Come on, man. You won one game a year ago. It's the reason you've got the job. You better take them any way you can get them. On the road against Arizona State, Colorado 27, Arizona State 24. If you had the three-and-a-half over-under win total ticket, you have cashed it halfway through the season. Uh, This just in, the Georgia Bulldogs might still be good. A lot of talk this week about Kentucky going into Athens and getting it done. Well, the only thing they got done was a beatdown. Dogs, 51. Cats, 13. Carson Beck goes for 389 and four touchdowns in the win. How bad was it? Brock Vandergrift, the backup, had seven pass attempts in the game, and he threw a touchdown as well. Homecoming in Hattiesburg. Old Dominion, 17. Southern Miss, 13. The Golden Eagles have lost five in a row. They are now 1-5 and on the season. Michigan stays undefeated. Just, uh, I mean, if you look at the stats, kind of workmanlike, but uh, nothing workmanlike about the final. 52-10, Michigan knocks off Row the Boat in Minneapolis. Week schedule, extremely impressive navigating said week schedule, though. Ain't no doubt. Yeah. They are, they are. Blown everybody out. They are dominant every time they step on the field. Doesn't matter if the head coach is there or not. Louisville. God rest At home. Raucous atmosphere at formerly what was Papa John's Stadium. I don't know the name of the new stadium or the new name of the stadium. Anyway, 33-20. Jeff Brom, his homecoming is going quite well. Louisville stays undefeated. Team that played for the national championship a year ago. Well, they're now 3-3 through six games. Iowa State 27, TCU 14. A very middle-of-the-pack Big 12 game there. Wildest ending of the weekend. Got to go to Coral Gables for that one. Georgia Tech 23, Miami 20. Mario Cristobal, not a great manager of the clock at the end of the game. More coming on that. Great game out west. Wyoming wins at home 24-19 over Fresno State. Cowpokes are now 5-1 on the year. Texas Tech starting to get it together. They win 39-14 over Baylor to move to 3-3 on the season. Oregon State goes to Berkeley and drops a beat down on Cal. They ain't half a hundred plus two. 52-40 the final. Beavers getting it done over the Bears of Cal. Southern Cal took three overtimes to win 43-41 over Arizona. Arizona did that without Jaden DeLara playing quarterback. Caleb Williams, very pedestrian numbers for him. 14-25, 219, and a touchdown. And that is... Your blitz and Lincoln Riley post game said it was defense that won them that game against Arizona. Well, there you go. If you say so, Lincoln. Jet Fish also with some questionable game management. If you're in overtime and you score a touchdown to to tie it, right? But you're still down one. Mm-hmm. The next overtime, you're going to have to go for two anyway, right? Right. So just do it now and win the game, and don't give them a chance to. Yeah, a lot of people do that home versus the road, but when you're facing a team like Southern Cal and uh, you're at, uh, was that it? Where was that? Was that at the college? It was in Los Angeles. 
Yeah, you got to go for two of the win right Just there. Just go. You're going to have to do it anyway. Louisville plays in LNN Federal Credit Union Stadium. Good to know. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's go. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Don't hurt yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort studio. Thanks for being with us. Just going to uh, give you a heads up on a way that you can win, not necessarily today, uh, but in a, uh, a longer form thing. Hardy and Laney Wilson are coming to Mississippi and Super Talk Mississippi is giving you a chance to see them live. Winners will get a pair of tickets to the show, plus you'll get a limo ride to and from the concert, a night's stay at the Beau Rivage, plus a guitar autographed by Hardy. Really cool prize package. All you have to do is visit one of the registration boxes located throughout the state and fill out your name and contact info. Must be 21 years or older to enter. Be listening to your local Super Talk station or go to supertalk.fm slash hardy to find a registration box near you. And again, you must be 21 years old to participate. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Thank you for being with us. A little bit different weekend for me, boys. I was uh, I was supposed to be going to Boca Raton for Tulsa and FAU. Turned out to be a really good game. Uh, FAU won it at home, twenty to seventeen. Um, but those plans were thwarted. So we left Jackson in the Sanderson Farms Championship on Thursday. I was about halfway back to Oxford. Was talking to Jane and um, found out that Francis, our youngest, had had an injury. Uh, playing with a friend, and she broke her arm. And it's not like she broke the lower part of her arm. She broke the humerus. That's the, the bone that goes from the shoulder to the elbow. And when I tell you broke, like, normally what do we think? Oh, it's a hairline fracture. You put a cast on it, it's good. Nope, the x-ray showed that the bone, if you're watching on Seaspire TV, was here, and the elbow joint was here. There was, like, separation that you could see between the two with, like, jagged little edges and the whole deal. She had to go to the hospital in Oxford. They got her stabilized there. Uh, Jane had to jump in the ambulance and go with her. We spent the night at Lebanon on Thursday night, had surgery on Friday morning. Thankfully, surgery went well. Uh, all of the doctors and the nurses and the staff were fantastic. She was a trooper. We got to come home late Friday afternoon, early Friday evening, uh, and the people at ESPN were kind enough to uh, find a fill-in for me and let me stay home and be a dad and kind of, be around for that, which was uh, really cool of them. I was thankful for that. And then I got to go be a dad on Saturday night and actually go to a football game with my family, which was awesome. Now, Francis and Jane stayed home. Uh, I got to go with, with A. Montgomery and Obi. A. Montgomery stuck with me until about four minutes left in the second quarter. That felt like a win. And at halftime, I told Obi, I was like, hey, bud, if we're going to the game, we're staying for the game. And at halftime, he looked at me, he's like, I told you we were staying for the whole game, Dad. I was like, yeah. He was engaged. He was into it the whole time. Had a blast. Got to see a win. Um, when we get to winners and losers, I want to talk a little bit about the, the game day environment at Ole Miss. That was a much, much different perspective 
than I have had in a really long time for an Ole Miss I will be happy game. to chime in on that. There's a lot of good at Walt Hemingway yeah. Stadium right now. And, so, yeah, I mean, rewind five, ten years ago. The You were saying the exact opposite thing. Yeah, and I don't even think you're going to go back that far. I, Probably I think not. It, I think it's changed pretty dramatically in the last few years. Uh, so there are a lot of people that deserve credit for that. We'll talk more about that. Um, today, tomorrow, we we got plenty of time for that. Um, do we want to go order of kickoff time of day, or do we just want to start with... You tell us, Aiden. the ranked team. Okay. Let's start with the ranked team. All right, so Ole Miss hosting Arkansas. It's been a series that has had its strange moments. Uh, I thought the vibe around campus and around the stadium was... It was confident, one, but it was also a little chill. Um, The people that were at the Ole Miss LSU game have talked to me and probably to you guys, and you've seen it online and all over the place. There was an edge that Saturday before LSU. People were into it. I mean, it was just electric. The feeling on campus, the feeling in the stadium, the game itself, the back and forth, all of those things. Great crowd, good energy, but a very different kind of energy on Saturday night. I thought Ole Miss played that way a little little bit. Credit to Arkansas for creating a style of game that gave them a chance. We were reminded that, that K.J. Jefferson has still got the ability to make some plays. He threw two really bad interceptions. Uh, Ole Miss, one of them was to seal the game. Another one, they capitalized with, with points off of it. But it was a very different type game. And, and like, we're doing this, this up and down thing with the defense again. Right? So, bad against Georgia Tech, good against Alabama, bad against LSU. Defense is pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, they controlled the line of scrimmage from the jumps. Yeah, Yeah, gave up less than 300 yards. I mean, there was nearly a game-changing play on Arkansas's first snap. Ole Miss got the ball first, as they always do. And Arkansas, that's not like some weird, like Ole Miss wins the toss, they take the ball, they lose the toss, everybody else defers, they get the ball. They just always have the ball first in the game. Um, But Arkansas put the ball on the ground. And nearly turned it over on their first offensive snap. That was a drive where Arkansas converted a third and 20. think there was a third and 15 in there that they converted. One of those two was aided by an egregious pass interference call. It was really, really touchy. It w- and it was so late too. I mean, just like I mean, Sam Pittman must have just said the right thing. Was like, "Hey, buddy, I've got those pictures of you. Don't forget." And he's like, "Oh shoot, got through the flag." Yeah. <laughs> I've been texting even, Hey Dad at that point. He's like, "Hey man, I'm 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 up here, and I even said that was a bad call." I mean, unbelievable. But when when I'm saying Ole Miss got screwed on a call, they got screwed on a call. But but that drive, you're exactly right because it, you know the the whole game was like that, right? It was. Uh, choppy. Everything. Th- there was no rhythm mm-hmm. whatsoever. That drive was choppy. It got aided by that bad PI call in Arkansas. Just it felt like they took forever and they go in and score. And then Jackson Dart gets hurt on the second play and clearly, uh, like, it, I don't know if this makes sense or not, but it looked like he was uncomfortable throwing off of platform. Like, it, it, like he didn't he didn't trust his feet underneath his body to to comfortably throw the football uh, during that game. And 
I mean, there was the one penalty, the uh, illegal forward pass where he ran past the line of scrimmage and threw the ball anyway. He doesn't do that if he's healthy. The little things like that. So quarterback gets hurt early. And what was it? Three Ole Miss drives had successful first downs that got called back on penalty. And so, like, when the drives would start well, they got called back for whatever reason. You even had a couple of times in the game where the officials, like, stopped play to do nothing. Like, they just kind of stopped playing. We're like, wait, hold on, hold on. And then, oh, never mind, we're good. And just, and played. So there was no rhythm or flow in that game at any point. It was almost, like, it was uncomfortable watching the game. You just, you kind of, like, I was yelling at TV. I was like, let's go, guys. Like, play football. This is taking forever. It, It felt weird from the very beginning. Yeah, so so Arkansas jumps out, almost goes three and out on their first offensive possession, and it was the it was the third down throw where Jackson Dart missed Dayton Wade, who was kind of on the deep crossing route that would have been a first down and would have kept it going. And maybe that was the first evidence of of him being a little uncomfortable throwing the football. Arkansas gets it. They go fifteen plays, eighty yards, seven minutes and forty six seconds. I mean, that's a long drive in today's college football. They go up 7-0. Ole Miss answers the field goal. Rebels get a touchdown on Quinshawn Judkins' one-yard run on fourth down out of the Wildcat. Rebels take the lead 10-7. Uh, Dayton Wade catches a touchdown pass from Jackson Dart to make it 17-7. Arkansas kicks a 56-yard field goal that would have been good from 60-something. I mean, that ball was crushed by Arkansas. Yeah, it was. Made it 17-10. They kicked another field goal uh, late third quarter, made it 17-13. Then Arkansas scores again on a 17-yard touchdown pass to, uh, was it Trey Washington? It's not Trey. What was Washington's? It's uh, Ty Washington. They call him Ty Ties. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, he had a really nice game. Number eight kind of slid into that tight end spot. It's kind of a hybrid tight end. And he played really well for the Razorbacks. Arkansas is in front 20 to 17. So you're in the fourth quarter. Ole Miss is at home trailing once again. And it's not the first time that they've been in that position this year. And then Ole Miss went to work. Ulysses Bentley capped off a 12 play, 75 yard drive with a seven yard touchdown run, 24 to 20. And then Caden Davis sealed it with a short field goal to make it 27 uh, 20. And look, there are, it, it feels like there are times, and I, I can't even believe that. Like, as a fan sitting in the stands, I had to say this. But when they didn't convert on third down, I was like, kick the field goal. Because it entered my mind, he might be thinking about going for it here. You have to make this a seven-point game. Um, And even at a seven-point game, if Arkansas had driven down, you know what Sam Pittman was going to do. They were going to go for two and try and win it. As it was, though, Ole Miss able to hold on. They come up with the interception at the end. They get the defensive stop, and the Rebels win at 27-20 and 20 to go into their open week with a record of 5-1 and one overall and 2-1 and one in conference play. Let's talk more in detail about the game when we come back. What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi.
Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. There was a, uh, a request, Borky, on the ceasefire text line from James. He said, hey, guys, got a favor. Was listening to Food Friday, and something was mentioned about Borky's smash burger recipe. Can I get a copy of that recipe, of course, until y'all's cookbook is available? I actually caught Food Friday. I was a little uh, a little disappointed that uh, that Dick and Oxford's message didn't get read on the air, but, hey, it happens. I guess yeah, it's hard to get to all the messages that come in. Yeah. Totally unintentional. We, we try to pick the best ones. Yeah, I understand that. I get it. <laughs> I, even, I think it was a question about smoking lasagna. I don't remember, but something along those lines, probably. Uh, yeah. Good good to be with you this afternoon. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi, Pearl River Resort Studio. So we can do micro and macro as it pertains to Ole Miss. Micro about the game on Saturday, a win over Arkansas. And then the macro is more about, okay, Ole Miss isn't the halfway point. It was funny how Lane Kiffin's tune changed from pregame to postgame. Pregame, he talked about the open date coming up and really not liking where it fell on the schedule because Ole Miss was playing well and was on a winning streak. Postgame, he said, you know, my opinion has changed after Jackson Dart was hurt early in the ballgame. And uh, Trey Harris was injured in the game as well. Didn't go into detail about either of those injuries, but he did on his weekly Sunday night teleconference with reporters last night say that he expected both to be fine when Ole Miss next takes the field against Auburn. So it was a schedule that set up for a good start. You knew there was a significant challenge in playing Alabama. But it was a three-game stretch, right, of, of Alabama, LSU, Arkansas, all three SEC games. And people were all over the map with these three games. There are a lot of people that said, you lose to Alabama, you lose to LSU, those are just better teams, better programs, you beat Arkansas because it's at home. There were some that said, well, look, I mean, if you lose to Alabama and to LSU, the team's going to be so def- deflated, you're going to mess around and lose to Arkansas. You had the most optimistic people, like uh, Bowen Indianola, who told us in the summer, he reminded us of this today, that Ole Miss was winning two of three this year against Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. Well, they're at one and one, Bo, so you got a 50-50 chance on being right on your prediction. But Ole Miss was able to avoid an Alabama hangover. They didn't cause the loss at Alabama to beat them twice. They won a shootout in a wild game against LSU. And then they came back on Saturday and they won a very different type game against Arkansas. And to me, there's some maturity that shows in your football team when you're able to win different types of games. And Ole Miss now is set up to be a pretty significant favorite in its next two games. On the road against Auburn, won't be easy for all the reasons you know. We'll do that next week. And then at home against Vanderbilt, who is just abysmal. And then on November 4th, you got A&M rolling in. What's Texas A&M going to be at that point? They gave up 50 in a loss to Miami. They played poorly at home in a loss to Alabama. Now they're headed to Knoxville with Tennessee coming off an open date. 
Yeah. I have a sizzling hot take. Maybe even an overreaction about Texas A&M. Okay. You want to hear it? I, I wonder if I know where you're headed with this. Let me hear it. They're going to play Tennessee on Saturday. Mm-hmm. They're going to lose that game. That's it for Jimbo Fisher. You think Tennessee? I, I think if four and three, they decide he's not surviving the year. Let's go ahead and get it, get ahead of it. If not, then a loss to Ole Miss and Oxford. Well, that for was, sure. That, then that was not where I thought the sizzle was going. Oh, I'm, I'm uh, super sizzling. Surface of the sun. Let's yeah, go. That's that's a pretty hot take. So schedule wise for A and M, it's at Tennessee. Then they get a home game against South Carolina, and then they go to Ole Miss. So I, I thought, uh, by the way, an open date after their uh, their game at Tennessee, which maybe that's the reason Perfect. that it makes more sense. That's in, in I, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that, but I still think it. Now I really think it. See, I, I thought what you were going to say was, okay, they had the early loss to Miami, but it was non-conference. And then they lose to Alabama in a close one. Let's say they go to Knoxville and lose on Saturday. You're really, really expensive rosters. Give a darn is busted after that point. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of lay down. That could happen, too. Truth of the matter is that defensive line is still good. That offense is pretty average, regardless of who's calling plays. There's a reason that Max Johnson wasn't the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year. But all of that's that's like over the course of the next month. Oh, hey, Dad, man. Mm. Even with mm-hmm. you making that prediction, I would be shocked if they did that. I mean, if he goes, if he loses to Tennessee, I think he's losing at least two more, right? He'll lose to Ole Miss, and then LSU. Eh, we'll see. I mean, at seven to five, he's gone, and we'll just all have to pay the gas prices on that. You may be right. We all we can do is wait. All we can do is yeah. wait. Um, but for Ole Miss. That's a really good football team. They're five and one. They're only going to be an underdog one more time this year, and that's against Georgia. They have a great chance. I don't think they can win the West. I think Alabama is is about to take off here, but they can be easily. I, I don't. I don't know the playoff bowls off the top of my head. I don't know if the Sugar Bowl is is a playoff bowl or not. It, is it, it not is. Then, Sugar Bowl's a playoff this year, so there's no Sugar, Sugar Bowl. Bowls, then yeah. Orange Peach. They're in that that discussion right there. Orange Peach, Cotton Fiesta, I think, are all on the table. Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, no, they're not on the table today. But if they were to win they're, everything except the Georgia the game. Yeah, they're and, in the oven. And the difference is they've been tested. That, that's the difference between this season and last season is at this point they've been tested. You know, they played poorly in Tuscaloosa. They woulda, coulda, shoulda, all that stuff. But, man, uh, yeah. a sharper... Offensive performance, and they go win that game. They, they've been tested. You can't question the resume at this point for Ole Miss. They they have not played a complete game. Not yet. You will say that. They have not played a game where they were great on offense and great on defense. If they play great offense, great defense, 
I listen to me, Rebel fans. They could beat Georgia. Kentucky was a really bad. Uh, Georgia's a really bad matchup for Kentucky. Now they're really good. They're really good. That that is that, that's a tall order. But that, that's that's way down the road. Right now, um, I mean, you knew this was the case. But shout out to to Michael Katz for pulling the numbers. Ole Miss has scored more fourth quarter points after six games this season than in all thirteen games they played in twenty twenty two. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I mean, congratulations for Michael Katz pulling the numbers. I guess he was listening to Sports Talk Mississippi after week three when we pointed out that they had scored more points in the fourth quarter than they did until the Arkansas game, which was week 11 last year. Okay, but the, anyway, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, point... No, I just, I'm glad that he listens. Anyway, um, they are good in the fourth quarter. Borderline great in the fourth quarter. And it's on both sides. Defensively, their defensive line, people uh, up until Saturday were like, ah, they're not that good up front. And I don't know where that came from. Are are they A&M, Alabama? Uh, No. But they were highly productive and were were productive again on Saturday. They rotate and play a bunch of guys on the defensive line, and they get better as the game goes on as a result. They ran for over 100 yards in the fourth quarter. So a sloppy, uncomfortable game where your quarterback's hurt and your best receiver's hurt, and they rattle off over 100 yards on the ground in the fourth quarter. It speaks to team leadership. It speaks to coaching. And a thing that only gets talked about in the summer, don't you have to give credit to strength and conditioning? Uh, the, the, those coaches just nobody a whole re- bigger, stronger, faster when you can point but, to it at the midway point of the year. But but maybe there's something to that. They have been they they were better than LSU in the fourth quarter. They were better than Arkansas in the fourth quarter. That, that's a real thing. That I mean that that matters, and, and you can see that when they play. So Jackson Dart wasn't kidding after the Tulane game when he said 2022 team loses that game. Mm-hmm. 2022 Ole Miss loses Saturday night. 2022 Ole Miss loses to LSU. I'm glad it's not 2022 because that wouldn't no. be any fun. No. This is a little more fun. No. No. This is a little more fun. Hey, Dad, we want to hear about your experience on uh, on Saturday night when uh, when we come back. We've got winners and losers. That's how we'll start the 4 o'clock hour today. Uh, we will get into Mississippi State's win over Western Michigan. We'll talk a little bit about Southern Miss's loss. Uh, just heartbreaking, demoralizing. I, I pick your Pick your way to describe it. Uh, in Hattiesburg on Saturday, losing that game to Old Dominion. We're back with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We will have winners and losers today to start the 4 o'clock hour, but uh, Brian Haydad had a, uh, a bit of a football sojourn. He, uh, he saw a couple of wins on Saturday for teams from the Magnolia State. He began his day in Starkville with Mississippi State's uh, win over 
Western Michigan, and then uh, made the trek north about 90 or so miles and uh, took in Ole Miss and Arkansas as just kind of an innocent bystander on uh, on Saturday night. Did you have a good time? Had a great time. Very, uh, very, very uh, pleased. Uh, we're very thankful for our, our people over there in the corner office to invite me up and uh, allow me to sit with them. I had a great time. Uh, good people. Got to meet some, uh, some other Rebel fans, some of our listeners. Our friend Smitty was there. Uh, mixed me a drink. I appreciate that. Uh, and I just had a good time. You know, it, it's sometimes it's fun to go to a game, and you. I mean, I wouldn't say I wasn't completely uninvested in, in the game, but at the same time, just to be able to watch the game and you're just watching the game, you know, and just like, oh, and this is what's happening. You know, being able to react to what's happening without an emotional response or anything like that. It's fun. So it was a good game. I uh, thought you said you're going to talk more about the atmosphere and all that, so I'll, I'll save that discussion. But uh, really, really enjoyable experience. My only regret is I couldn't get there a little sooner. I would have liked to have gone to the Grove to, to meet up with some friends of mine. Uh, there's a big Vicksburg group there uh, that I would have liked to have seen, but couldn't get there in time. Yeah, it happens. You had to uh, had to work. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is going to be part of the like the the atmosphere talk that we'll get conversation we'll get to a little bit later on. But the drone show now, hey, where you were sitting, I guess you couldn't see it. I mean, they they showed parts of it on the video. Yeah, board. I, I was, I was looking at the video board. Is like we were just like, is that above us? And then yes. I, you see everybody turned around. And I was like, yes, that is above us. It was. I had no idea that that was coming. And I looked up. I like just like in between the third and fourth quarter. I, I looked up and I'm like, wait, what is that? Because they weren't in any kind of a formation yet. It, it looked like fireflies, big fireflies in the sky. And I hit Obi. I was like, hey, look at that. I was like, that's a bunch of drones. And he's like, that's so cool. What are they doing? And so yeah. we just sat there and we watched them. And then they start going into the into the different formations. There were a lot of people that were like, okay, I, I see the party in the SIP. What is that big thing to the left side of it? It looks like an upside-down state of Mississippi. No, it was the it was the outline of Lane Kiffin that they've used on the party in the SIP graphic where he's got one armed raised. Um, I guess when it's formed with drones in the sky and lights, it's a little bit harder to uh, harder to see. Yeah, they spelled out the the script Ole Miss, and then they did uh, a football player that was like throwing up a land shark thing. And I man, there's some smart people out there. That's <laughs> cool. Yeah. The, the The idea that you can that you can program flying objects and launch all of them, and they all go exactly where you want them to go and compensate for wind or breeze or whatever and light up. The, that was, man, that's um, that's a pretty neat deal. Did they show it on television, Borky, at all? Uh, I only saw it on social media. If they showed it on TV, I missed it. Okay. I didn't know maybe coming out from the break they did, but um, it was uh, – Pretty cool, pretty cool note. What's the what's the overriding takeaway from the Ole Miss Arkansas game on Saturday night? Is it five and one? Wasn't crazy enough. Wasn't crazy enough for my liking. <laughs> I wanted more. Yes, that it's five and one. That Ole Miss is five and one going into their their off week and on a schedule now that I mean this was the hardest schedule in the country preseason. They're five and one, and like I said earlier, I don't think they'll be an underdog, but one more time. 
Strong possibility that's the case. I mean, and, and as you said earlier, the bye week coming at a perfect time. Uh, I mean, Dart banged up, Trey Harris banged up, and also Auburn's in Baton Rouge. You know, people are going to hype up the Hugh Freeze really wants this old Miss game, and uh, no doubt he does, even though they did everything in their power to save him from himself and he couldn't do it. Um, at least you get to spend the week not in Baton Rouge when they have to spend the week in Baton Rouge. They're good defensively. We now know it's a 6 o'clock kickoff, so it's going to be an environment for sure. And it, I, yeah, mean, I don't know that that's the announcement that Ole Miss was hoping for. Uh, I think Ole Miss would have been far happier with playing an 11 o'clock game on the Plains yeah. uh, and, and let Mississippi State and Arkansas have that, that 6 o'clock time slot. But, hey. I thought that was what was going to happen, too. I thought you know the 11 a.m. game has been getting the, the bigger games, figured ranked team, great story with Freeze playing Ole Miss. I thought that would definitely be the 11 a.m. game. I thought State might be 6 o'clock on like ESPN 2 or something. Yeah. Um, but the truth of the matter is, Ole Miss is better than Auburn. And so if you're going to have a good to great slash special season, when you're better than another team, you go and you beat them. You, you know, you, you, you just go and you play a solid game and you don't get wrapped up in the emotion. I mean, he's pl- – the, the emotion of Hugh Freeze is for Hugh Freeze and for fans in this game. The players on this team don't know, don't care. Needs to stay that way. So we'll see. We're back with you. Winners and losers to start the 4 o'clock hour next. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk. Mississippi. Just as I thought it was going all right, I found out I'm wrong when I thought it was right. It's always the same, it's just a shame. That's a little peek behind the curtain uh, to the way we approach Mondays. We've tried a lot of different things. Uh, I had a Friend listening, it's a uh, not a friend. I, I mean, like I'm using the term friend loosely. You know, think all of you that listen to the show are friends, not like be somebody a friend. personally. It may very well be. Um, friend of the show listening that uh, is a regular listener goes to work in the evenings and was listening to the first hour of the show and he hit us with, uh, "Hey, thanks for the uh, the Mississippi State coverage." And we have gone back and forth and and don't know the right answer on how to cover the games from the weekends. We've decided that the Blitz is a good way to start on Mondays where we try and kind of just boom, 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 hit a million things from the college football weekend. And then we've debated on do we spend a segment on Ole Miss, a segment on Mississippi State, or vice versa, and work Southern Miss into the first hour, or are we better off taking a longer amount of time to talk about each of the games so that we can can kind of dig a little bit deeper and um, kind of get into you know some of the more – I don't know, some of the minutia from the games. I, I don't know. And and we don't know what the right answer is. We, we've tried it different ways. Um, this person thinks that it's better when we kind of go shorter segments on each team in the first hour and then kind of drill down as the show goes along. So, I don't know. We'll try that again soon. Uh, but we are glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Sports Talk Mississippi on this Monday. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You know, if, uh, if 80 and sunny with overnight lows in the 50s is your thing, you're into fall golf. Now's the time. We've been talking about it coming. It's here. 
By the way, the weather this weekend was amazing. Oh, my goodness, it was amazing. So, nice. uh, DancingRabbitGolf.com, book your tee time today. Dancing Rabbit Golf to play the Oaks or the Azalea. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. That's the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Ceasefire customer inspired. All right, we had said winners and losers here, but let's push that back a little bit. Let's talk some Mississippi State, Western Michigan, and then we'll get to the winners and losers later in this this 4 o'clock hour. So, Mississippi State, Western Michigan, final score 41-28. Bulldogs get the win. They go to 3-3 on the year. State was in control of this game. They led 17 to nothing with four minutes left in the second quarter. They gave up a late touchdown that made it a 10-point game at the half. State scored first in the third quarter when Mike Wright took it in from three yards out to make it 24-7. And then we kind of started the, the seesaw a little bit. Touchdown from Western Michigan after a 10-play 75-yard drive to make it a 10-point game. Touchdown from Mississippi State to push it back to 17. Touchdown from Western Michigan, back to 10. Touchdown Mississippi State, back to 17. Touchdown Western Michigan, back to a 10-point game, and then Mississippi State kicks a field goal with four minutes left, effectively ending any drama that was remaining. So that was kind of the way that it unfolded, but I think we got to go inside that. Hey, Dad, you... Um, you had the Thunder and Lightning podcast where you, you talked about the things that are true. Um, you were mostly pleased with the offense on Saturday. Yeah. Why was that? I thought they were relatively efficient. Um, I thought that uh, they did a good job of, of finally finally introducing Mike Wright into the offense and giving him some some actual real live series, and I thought he was good. I uh, should have had a touchdown pass. Uh, Jaden Wally dropped. He ran for a touchdown. He showed you what he can do. But I thought Will was good too. I thought Will Will Rogers played well. Uh, had three touchdown passes in the game. Uh, didn't throw an interception. You know, was good. State ran the ball pretty effectively, considering that Marks and Pittman Marks played in the first half, but then came out with an injury. Uh, Jeff Pittman didn't play at all, but you saw. Some of Kevon Lee for the first time. I just thought overall, offensively, they put 41 points on a board and had had a drive where they dropped a touchdown slash missed a field goal, so they could have had more points on the board. Um, yeah, there wasn't a lot for me to complain about offensively in this game. State goes 65 plays for 440 yards of total offense. Did not allow a sack in the game. Had the uh, the three touchdown passes that you referenced. Ran it for 194 yards. So yeah, the offensive numbers were fine. Um, yeah. What about the level of concern on the defensive side? So we, we kind of went through the scoring summary a second ago. And State really was in control for most of the, the first half of this game. But in the second half, they could not keep Western Michigan off the board. They just couldn't. I mean, they outscored Western it's just Michigan another... 24-21 in the second half. Yeah, it's just another example of a quarterback. And this is... A third-string MAC quarterback yep. having a career day against Mississippi State. Uh, Hayden Wolf, 27 of 35, 262 yards, three touchdowns. He throws the pick at the end there, but completes 77% of his passes. I mean, look at State's 
last four games against quarterbacks, I, if I'm correct, in four games they they forced less than 20 incompletions. And it, it's like a combined completion percentage of just well over 80 percent. Yeah, it, it's probably it probably is. I mean, Daniels was 30 of 34. Rattler was 18 of 20. I think Milrow was only 10 of 12, but it's 10 of 12. And then, uh, he's, like I said, 25 of uh, 27 of 35, so 77%. And this is, like I said, this is a third-string MAC team. State could not bring any pressure. Every time they blitzed, Western Michigan picked it up. And then they, they consistently had guys. When I say open, I mean open. I mean, guys, nobody within two, three yards of the receiver wide open. Just breakdowns at every level defensively. Um, and they, and they just, they're just not a good defense. They've, they've, whatever edge they had a season ago, whatever they had going for them under Zach Arnett, they have completely squandered that under, under Matt Brock. Obviously, there's some personnel issues when you lose a first rounder, when you lose a guy like Tyrus Weed, who was, a, who was a really good player and a difference maker for you in the pass rush. Cam Young was a really good defensive tackle last year. He was an NFL draft choice, but they're, 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 they're not, I understand struggling against uh, SEC teams. When you struggle like that against a MAC team, that's a bad, bad, bad sign for Mississippi State. And it's a MAC team that fell to two and four on the year with that loss. They, they, not not a, not a MAC team that came in four and one. Right, right. This is this. Yeah, this isn't you know Northern Illinois a few years back when they went to the Orange Bowl. This is, this is a bad team. And they went toe-to-toe with you from the second quarter on, basically. Western Michigan's winner against St. Francis of Pennsylvania and Ball State. They lost by 41 to Syracuse, by 31 to Iowa, by 18 to Toledo, and now they lose by 13 to Mississippi State. And, and again, that's not like trying to take anything away from the win. It's just, okay, what, what's going on defensively? And kind of the summary is not much. Yeah, yeah, that's that's being kind. That's being what about health? I mean, um, Will Rogers leaves the game. You mm-hmm. talked about Woody Marks. Some guys on the defensive yeah. side. They've announced a couple that are out for the year. Where is this team health wise? Yeah. Is the is so the Rogers? You know, obviously yes, obviously yes. I, I was surprised Marks played as much as he did. You know, Pittman didn't play. I thought Marks might get the day off as well, to be totally honest with you, but they did play him. Uh, Rodgers left the game uh, with a, I think it was a non-throwing shoulder injury, but saw him after the game, not not in a cast, not wrapped up with an ice all over him or anything like that. So I feel like that's a good sign. Um, with no press conference today being an off week, you know, there's no chance for, for Zach Arnett to tell us they'll evaluate him and not give us an idea of what the actual injury is. But that'll probably come on Wednesday, on Monday of uh, this week, or, or probably maybe uh, Wednesday. Actually, I think about it with the SEC coaches teleconference. Uh, Arnett will be on there regardless of uh, the off week, um, and then we'll just have to see. You know, if Rogers is out for an extended period of time, this becomes Mike Wright's football team. If he's not, I expect Rogers to continue to start and and for them to use Wright more like what they saw, what we saw on Saturday. Um, what else stood out? Or, or is this one of those where it's like, you know, you're really grasping at straws? No, I, the way the game went, 
is a, is a red alert, is a red flag for the rest of the season, right? If you came into that game thinking, okay, State will blow this team out and then they can recoup on the off week and have a chance when they go to Arkansas, go to Auburn, things like that, it's difficult to look at the team now and say that. You know, do, do I think they, they are just going to lose to Arkansas? No. I think that they can win that game. But would I predict them right now? No, probably not. I mean, K.J. Jefferson is a good quarterback. Could easily see him being something like 27 of 30 for 300 yards and three touchdowns next week. If, State's gonna, if State wins next week, they'll win in a shootout. Just because, because I don't think State's <laughs> defense can slow anybody down. You just randomly predict a line for a starting quarterback. You're like 27 of 30 for 350 and three touchdowns. Yeah. It's a pretty good day. That's a good day at the park. Should be enough to win. Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's look at State's remaining schedule and kind of play this out when we come back. Sports Talk uh, with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort studio. Dwayne and Brandon says State's defensive uh, defenses don't improve. They're going. Uh, if State's defense doesn't improve, they're going to be upside down in wins and losses. I think that's what the message was. Um, it's accurate. Just my opinion, but I thought the third string Western Michigan quarterback was better than the second string. I think he was an old Dominion transfer. Yeah, he was. Uh, Hayden Correct. Wolf, big, big kid, came in from Old Dominion. I didn't play him early because I just didn't think he had a good enough grasp of what they were doing offensively. Jack Salopek started the season as their quarterback for Western Michigan, and Wolf was kind of either the backup or the third string guy. Doesn't that further exacerbate the issue? Correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, that, that wasn't even the best that Western Michigan had to offer, or at least according yes. to them. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a huge issue right now. And but then you're seeing this LSU team, too. sometimes quarterbacks overthink that. True. Uh, that, that does or, happen. I mean, coaches that do. That does, but it's, it's Western Michigan. Um, and, and then you're, you're seeing LSU get lit up by everybody they play. And, and at home... You were non-competitive on that side of the ball, too. C-Spare text line, we will not beat two SEC schools, therefore we won't make a bowl, and Arnett will be shown the door. But should have, could have, would have, of course. Should have beaten South Carolina, at least had a chance to. Is South Carolina any worse than Arkansas? Are they any worse than they Arkansas? better. I mean, it might be better. Who knows what kind of state Arkansas is going to be in? By the way, I know the game's in Fayetteville, and that's not easy. But buddy, they're about to lose to Alabama too. I mean, yeah. is the locker room still engaged after six, uh, five consecutive losses? Does it feel like we're asking that question more than we used to ask that question? 
Like, you see a team lose three in a row, you go, well, are they still going to care? Are they going to quit? Are they going to keep playing hard? Hey, Ned, aren't you famous for saying that's the... Um, that's the minimum. That's the that's absolute minimum? the least minimum? Two I can expect. Yeah. I, th- I think Arkansas... I mean, they're going to lose this weekend, and they're going to be in a bad state, but they're going to look at Mississippi State and say, guys, this is a chance to get back on the, on the winning side of things. It's a chance to, 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 get, to feel good again when they see Mississippi State. I mean, I know Hugh Freeze and stuff. I get it. Auburn doesn't have a roster that should scare you at all. They, Hugh Freeze's answer yeah, but they're about, playing hard. Oh, they're, they're, they sure are. Yeah, they, they sure are. Um, his answer about quarterback play today was was really telling. If you read between the lines, he he knows he's awful there. He's awful there, and he knows it. So, I mean, that's not a game that you look at and think, "Oh, losing to Auburn for sure." No. And you do have Southern, with all due respect, sorry, Southern Miss fans. You you got a really bad Southern Miss team on your schedule too. I mean, it, it's not. Mm-hmm. All right, so so roadie at Arkansas, roadie at Auburn, Kentucky at home, at A and M. And Kentucky's good. They just got walloped this weekend. I, I mean, just walloped. And they, Kentucky can't win on the road. Mark Stoops cannot win on the road. He just can't. It's his kryptonite. Neither team in the series between Kentucky and Mississippi State for a really long time has been able to win on the road. Fourteen was the last time there was a road win. State won at Kentucky. Will that change this year? We'll have to wait and see. And then Southern Miss and Ole Miss to close it out. This thing can go... I mean, it can go status quo, it can go well, or it can go poorly for Mississippi State. Because there's no question the second half of the schedule should be easier than the first half of the schedule. I think. Those road, the, the location of Arkansas and Auburn stinks for State. That sucks. Yeah. I mean, South Carolina and Arkansas are kind of on the same level. South Carolina, I think, is better than Auburn. Kentucky is better than South Carolina, better than Arizona. A&M is not quite as good as LSU or Alabama, but a step above those others. So they missed a struggled and... Ole Miss is kind of in that conversation for the third or fourth best team in the league right now. Will they sustain that? Well, we'll have to see. I don't know. Maybe it's not a drastically different. But but three of the final six in league play are on the road. And the home game is in Ole Miss. When you're playing as poorly as State is, every game is difficult. doesn't matter if you're playing Alabama or Alabama A&M. I mean, when you aren't playing well, when you can't stop anybody on defense, no matter who you're playing, then there is no reprieve from that. How does this go over the final six weeks after the open day? As you kind of said, you know, and we'll know a lot, you know, these next two games, one and one is okay. You're okay at one and one because if you win one of those games, you'll feel like, they could get Kentucky, or they could go to A&M, and if A&M's quit by then, it's going back to what Borky was saying. And even you could make you know the, uh, the the weakest case, but you could say it's the egg ball and something crazy might happen. But if they're 0-2, the season's over, because you're not going to a bowl game, and it, it's just playing out the string. You're probably going 4-8. Um, 
two and zero is is kind of the way State plays defense. I can't bring myself to sit there and be honest with you and say I think they can go two and zero, but I think they can get one of them. I don't know which one it is. I think it's probably Arkansas, but they got to get one of these next two games. And if they do that, then you can have enough hope to at least sitting around to possibly make yourself think you can continue your bowl streak, get the six wins. I don't know what that means long term. You know, I look at Matt Brock and uh, one of my co- one of my the other guys on the beat, Stefan Krajnik, made a good point. He's like, you know, two years ago we we were all saying Matt Brock needed to be fired as the special teams coordinator. The state special teams were miserable. They replaced him. They put they put him the the, the linebackers coach. They moved Eric Melee over to special teams, and now state has some of the best special teams in the country. Kicking's good, punting's good. The return guys are elite. So I made the comment on the show yesterday on the podcast. I said, maybe he should coordinate the offense. Let's just see if he's good at that because he can't do defense and he can't do special teams. Um, I think Matt Brock's going yeah, to be sacrificed at the end of the year whether Arnett's here or not. So, But six wins allows, you know, allows Arnett to say, you know, okay, we'll make a couple of changes. We'll hit the portal really hard. They're going to have to do that with everything they lose and sort of take it from there. But I don't know. I just, I just know that right now Mississippi State fans are not happy campers. Should he take play calling duties back? I mean, I know that That's doesn't work for question. everybody, but but what is? And this is an impossible question to answer. But what is Mississippi State gaining by having him not calling plays? Where what are they benefiting from in that case? Well, the only thing that that I would say is this, and I made this comment: is like you know that when State gets a commitment and they tweet that GIF of Arnett and he's going absolutely nuts on the sidelines. Where's that guy? Where, where is he? If you look at Arnett now, he's just standing there, arms folded, and just kind of watching the game, you know, when he's not talking to Brad Peterson or, or Steve Campbell. And it, it, it's like, where is that guy? I, I, I made a comment about it, you know, when we were interviewing him. I was like, this is a different guy than the defensive coordinator. The defensive coordinator was, was a, a grouchy, gripey, angry guy to, in, in a good way. This guy is like, it feels like sometimes he's just up there giving coach speak answers like you and I would give coach speak answers. We're not actual coaches, so we're just sort of like the chat GPT, I'll get there eventually, of coach speak. Like if I said, hey, chat GPT, give me a coach speak answer on this, that's what Zach Arnett is doing right now. And so I, you ask bringing him back to the defense, well, if he's not going to coach with that same kind of anger and attitude, I don't see what the point of that is. Zach Arnett needs to be himself. He's not being himself right now. He's trying to be what he thinks a head coach should be. Just be yourself. The fans will, will appreciate that a lot more than you just standing around on the sidelines looking like you're disinterested. Yeah. But if you're not winning, I don't know if fans... I mean, if you're not winning and you're standing there looking like a bump on the log and people want you to be more animated, if you're not winning and you're going crazy all the time, people want you to find a little bit of composure and you know make it look like you actually have an idea of what it's I just, supposed to be. I just want like. him to be himself. I, I know what Zach Arnett is. I saw it for three years. you you got to continue to be that guy. That's what got you to be the head coach. Right. you got to continue to be yourself. You should not try to be something you're not in any situation. Life advice from Uncle Haydad there. That's nice of you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's uh, let's go to winners and losers coming up next. We're glad to be with you on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studio. 
You can be part of the conversation at 601-879-4395. That's the number for the C Spire text line. C Spire, customer inspired. We're back after this. next keep it moving buddy you can be a part of sports talk mississippi triple eight eight oh eight eight six three seven on super talk mississippi Along in the four o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Let's just jump right into it. There is so, so much to get to in terms of winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners, we got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. Get a winner never What did you like from the weekend? We put the winners on one side of the list and the losers on the other. You can send us yours on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Let's start with something that we haven't mentioned yet. And that is the Sanderson Farms Championship. It delivered in a big way. And the tournament was decided on the first playoff hole. The playoff plan was 18-18-10-10. And uh, they did say that if the, um, the competition extended into today because of darkness, then they would start tomorrow on, which would have been today, on, on 18. Didn't have to have that. They needed one uh, because Luke List made a bomb on 18 as part of a five-man playoff on his way to becoming the winner of the Sanderson Farms Championship. Borky, you were there for a big part of the weekend. Just a lot of really, really good golf. A lot of really good golf and perfect weather on top of that. It was Yeah, it was a great weekend. Very good. Very good. So Luke List, your winner at the Sanderson Farms Championship and a, a great shot. I mean, the last hour of the tournament yesterday was fantastic. And then you get the playoff. It was just a really, really cool way to Yeah, it. Carl dunked it from the fairway on 17 right in front of me. That was awesome. Um, I wondered if you were where you could see that. Yeah, that was, uh, that was right in front of me. Um, Yuan? Yeah, Carl Yuan, I think. Uh, that was So that was cool. But uh, Luke List, funny story. So when he walked off the 72nd hole, when he finished his round... He had a 3% chance of winning the tournament. He thought it was over. Mm-hmm. And as he was walking off the 18th, he tossed his hat to a, to a kid. Because he thought it was done. Here, kid, take my hat. Which, no offense, Mr. List, terrible hat. What, what, what are those stripes? I mean, come on, man. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, awful. But he tossed it to a kid and, and walked up and filled out his score and was hanging out with his wife and kids expecting, you know, 
get back to their place they're staying, pack up and go home, back to Augusta. And then leader bogeys, and then, oh, I actually have a shot here. Then leader bogeys the 18th. He's got to go get his hat back from the kid to go, to go put his hat back on to go play. And he wins the tournament, found the same kid, gave him, uh, gave him the hat uh, again. So, uh, no, cool. that, was, that was really cool. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. Oof, got a lot of options here. I'm going to go with Georgia, believe it or not, just because I think Georgia, I think they were kind of tired of people like us. And they were kind of tired of people saying, eh, this team, they're just sleepwalking through this. They, they're not they're not what they used to be, blah, blah, blah. Kentucky, unfortunately, had to bear the brunt of that frustration. But they were dominant, and they looked every bit of the number one team in the nation. They looked every bit of the two-time reigning national champions. So Georgia solidified themselves back on top of the college football world, I thought, on Saturday. They were really impressive. Really impressive. Bork, you give me a winner? Uh, the odds makers. You ready for this stat of the day? I've got a few of them, but this is my favorite one so far. Uh, NFL favorites this season on the consensus line mm-hmm. are 37, 37, and 3 against the spread. Wow. A perfect start to the season for the consensus lines in NFL games. It's um it's pretty good. You you wonder why it's hard to uh, get an edge if you are a casual recreational player uh cuz those guys yeah. are good. On that note, Bruce Marshall nailed both the Ole Miss and the State game by the way. Nailed did it. Did he? Yep. He did. Yeah. Very good. Um all right, winner for me. I alluded to this earlier. The I don't know that there's a, a single person to point to because there's been some turnover in the uh, the marketing department for Ole Miss Athletics. So we'll say Keith Carter for signing off on it and all of the people involved in building a really good game day atmosphere at Ole Miss. So there are a couple of caveats, right? Ole Miss will never have the biggest stadium. It will never have the loudest stadium because of the way that architecturally it is built. It just doesn't really lend itself to that. Uh, doesn't have the biggest fan base of like all of the major players. So, so there are some, there are some limits to what you can do, but you could kind of just like mail it in and be like, eh, we don't have the biggest stadium, we don't have the biggest fan base. What are you going to do? Just, just get out there and go. They haven't done that. They haven't accepted that. Ole Miss has managed to go from a, oh, the, the other caveat, caveat, winning makes a difference. Winning helps a lot. That said, Ole Miss has somehow some way, like the collective student body has decided we're going to be a really good college football student section. And they filled it every single game this year. Now they left at halftime at Mercer. It was 114 degrees sitting on metal bleachers in a non-competitive game. You can be forgiven. They filled it up for Georgia Tech and stayed. They filled it up for LSU and stayed and were a significant factor in the outcome of the game. And they filled it up and they stayed on Saturday night against Arkansas. So it starts with the students. But then that marketing department, 
light shows, music, DJ on the front row of the student section. And I'm not saying the DJ has full autonomy, but he's got a lot of rope with which to work. There is never a dead moment with inside that stadium. There's not that awkward, is the band playing or is it music? Who missed a cue? It doesn't stop. And they got smoke going and fireworks going and a drone show and the national anthem was really cool. Uh, Mississippi's own um, Bruce Levingston played the national anthem on a grand piano that was pulled onto a trailer onto the Arkansas sideline right at the 50-yard line. Never seen anything like that before. It was cool. It was different, but it worked. It was just good all the way around. And so I I said to somebody after, I said, Ole Miss has taken what much of the rest of the world used as a punchline of may not win every game but ain't never lost a party, thanks to the Larry Womble painting. And they have decided to embrace it, and they have turned the stadium environment into what feels like just a big party. It's just fun. And again, winning helps. By the way, let me let me give you names. Um, let's see. Matt Smith is running the marketing department. Mike again and the productions team. And then Neil Mead and the game management group. So all of those people kind of working together. They put together a really, really good stadium environment. Winner, thumbs up. Yeah, they're, they're, I feel like I need to be careful. I don't want to end up on like a commercial for Ole Miss. That would, that would, make, that would hurt my feelings. But don't get any ideas, Keith. I know you're listening. Uh, there is a stark contrast between game day in Oxford and game day in Starville. And, again, the team helps that a, a great deal. The team in, Ole Miss, in Oxford is good right now. Mississippi State, not as good, not so good. But just in terms of, of the things that you mentioned – of how they just keep the here's here's a good example. Late in the uh, I got the third quarter, so Arkansas has a player go down after a big play. Crowd was into it, but now they got to come down because they're they're tending to the player. Right. As soon as the guy gets off the field and they're sure he's okay, love is gone. Now I have my own personal opinions on love is gone. Never mind those though. Ole Miss fans love that song. They get into it. They're excited. Crowds right back into the game at that moment. And that's it's, it's smart. It's funny you said that. I've interrupted you. I'm sorry. I kind of roll my eyes at Love is Gone at baseball. It's the first time I've seen it. Like They roll it into a football game, and they've got like red and blue lights flashing, and there are 40,000 yeah, pom-poms that are like shaking in unison. And I'm like, yeah. who cares what I think? That was awesome. Yeah. So, uh, the, 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 and give Ole Miss fans some credit, obviously. They're into the game. But you, you, you really hit on the point there about the party and the sip. Ole Miss has done a fantastic job of embracing that and making that their identity, and it works. It works for them. So, uh, Jeff in Pontotoc says, I stole his winner. Somebody said the long way to the stadium from the Grove due to construction stinks, but still great atmosphere all around. Yes, look, I mean, at some point in the next 30 to 40 years, they are going to finish construction on the um, – the, the Duff Center for Technology, the STEM building. It's going to be gorgeous. It's the longest construction project in the history of planet Earth. <laughs> you couldn't get a parking pass right behind the stadium? Uh, no, hey, Dad. Apparently I don't uh, rank as highly as you do. 
in Ole Miss land. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. There's one other moment I wanted to mention from uh, from the Ole Miss game against Arkansas on, on Saturday night. Um, Chris Mitchell is a former Chucky Mullins award winner. I think he was the he was either the first or the second to uh, to receive the award, and I guess was a teammate of Chucky's. Um, he's the guy that that had the hit against Arkansas in 1990. That's been played over and over and over. They showed it on the video board on on Saturday night. So uh, so Creek was there on Saturday um, in 2020, I believe it was. He suffered a life changing injury with. Uh, issues that kind of mirrored some of what Chucky Mullins had. Head injury, neck injury, spinal injury, uh, lack of mobility in his legs, and has really, really had a hard time. And he is the recipient of the Sigma Nu Charity Bowl Award this coming year. So his family will be presented with a uh, with a financial um, award to help with some of the expenses that, that he's having to deal with related to his medical care and the way that his life has changed. Um, and there are a lot of people that have kind of reached out to me saying, "Hey, if this is something you could mention along the way," um, so it's there. I mean, you can uh, you can go to the uh, Sigma New Charity Bowl website, and if if you are inclined to make a donation to help with those, they've raised a ton of money through the years um, for people with um, uh, debilitating injuries uh, along the way. And Charity Bowl is a uh, a cool event, so uh, it was neat to see uh, Creek Mitchell. In uh, at the game, and a lot of his former teammates kind of were around him over the course of the weekend as well. We're going to have to carry winners and losers into the 5 o'clock hour because there were some definite losers this weekend. But who, who wants to who wants to do crystal ball? Who, who wants that one? Low-hanging fruit? Highest bidder? No, he, here's the problem with Mario Cristobal not taking a knee to end the game to beat Georgia Tech. Uh, if, if you missed it, uh, Miami, literally, all they had to do was take Borky, a knee. You cannot win the game if you lose it. Yeah, you, you, you simply can't. It can't uh, be it, done! Inside of 40 seconds left, no timeouts for Georgia Tech. <laughs> and it wasn't worth that. It was, it there was, was not less down. than 40 seconds remaining. And they handed the football off. They did not take a knee. A knee ends the game. They handed the ball off. And they were Bumble. not at the minus one yard line no. where you were worried about taking a knee in the end zone and getting a safety. <laughs> they were in plus territory. They fumbled the ball two plays later. And by the way, the defensive breakdown, it wasn't a Hail Mary. I mean, not in the traditional sense. Receiver just got behind the defense, scored a touchdown, lose a mm-hmm. game. Here's the issue with that. That's incredibly stupid. He's got an $80 million contract. That should never happen. However... Even never the won most, a conference game at home. Never won. Hadn't won a conference game at home yet. Zero and five. But yeah, how about that? Yeah. But even the smartest people do dumb things sometimes, right? Everybody has had a moment where you just like your brain just malfunctions and just things just happen and you screw up, right? Like it happens all the time. Fool me once, 
Shame on me. That is his strategy. Shame on you. He doesn't Fool me once, shame on you. Yeah. Fool me twice. Shame on me. He doesn't take knees. He's lost a game in that exact fashion before. Happened at Oregon. That is not a brain fart. That is a strategic decision with precedent that he still chose to make. It is so much worse than if it just if he's in the postgame, guys, I have no idea. I just I just short circuited. It just possibly be the rationale. There is none. None. But 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 he, but there's We're something in the his mind. Whistle. It's football guy stuff. I'm gonna I want to play football to the final whistle. I mean that's all I can think. I, that is the first time I've ever watched an opposing press conference just for my own self. I, I watched his press conference just to see what he said, and I, I give him credit for at least saying it. I was like, should have taken a knee. At least he said it. Not an idiot. Mm. Eight million dollars a year to do something that anybody who's ever played Madden in their life knows to do. Could you fire him with calls for that? I think you should be able to fire coaches that are bad coaches with cause. That should be a. Re- What's the cause? He's not a good football coach. We paid him thinking that he was. Michael Scott. Because I hate him. I hate him. Um, David says he doesn't no, God to anyone. No, please. Well, that's just that's just stupid. That that's smartest guy in the room that's really not the smartest what, guy in the room still. What is he, Leonidas? What are we doing here? Jay and the Rez says loser, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. I can't believe the Cardinals' loss didn't wake everybody up to the fact that the team was a fraud. They're a fraud. See Dante Whitner. See, see what he had to say. What was your 49ers uh, correspondent or whatever former player? What was your takeaway from the game? Dak Prescott sucks. That was his takeaway from the game. I was like, all right, fair enough. Not a great Good. night for him. That that arm punt interception too was just. Yeah, that's one of those moments. So everybody has that, the brain fart thing. Everybody's got that. Yeah. Five o'clock hour is coming up. We've got the college football fix for you and a whole lot more. One hour left on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We're back after this short timeout. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Five o'clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's roll. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sportsbook inside the Golden Moon Casino. It's the sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. You can learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Ceasefire text line open to you at 601-879-4395. Ceasefire, customer inspired. All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Nobody on Monday, but we'll have plenty of guests for you as we go throughout the week. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. We um, are headed for the college football fix, but before we do that, I want to read Ben's message. He's always good 
to uh, send us a weekly update on Delta State. He got he says, guys, don't forget my winner. Number eight, Delta State moved to six and zero on the year with a forty nine twenty five win over Valdosta State. The offensive line led the way. 54 rushing attempts for 417 yards, an average of 7.7 yards per carry. Kelvin Smith Jr. was the Gulf South Conference Offensive Player of the Week. Ran for a season-high 181 yards on 23 carries with three touchdowns. Averaged 7.9 yards per rush. Also caught a pass in the ballgame. Delta State top 10 at number 8. They are now 6-0 and on the year. So congratulations, to Delta State, they just keep winning. All right, let's do it. It's time for the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the uh, games outside the footprint of the state of Mississippi. Georgia, number one team in the country. Haydad had them as one of his winners. 51-13 over Kentucky on Saturday. And it, was, uh, it wasn't it was just a dominant win. It, it was kind of surgical. Um, Georgia had no trouble with uh, a Kentucky team that had been playing really well. And... They were good through the air. Carson Beck threw for 389 yards with four touchdowns. Um, Edwards had 54 yards on the ground. Brock Bowers had a quiet first half, and then Kentucky decided not to cover him in the second half. Seven catches for 132 yards and a touchdown in the game. Um, Ray Davis did have a touchdown. I think it was a catch for uh, Kentucky, and they returned an interception either for a touchdown or down close to a touchdown and followed it up. Uh, but just dominant, fourteen to nothing after one, thirty-four to seven at the half. Uh, let's see, it was forty-four to thirteen after the end of the third quarter, and then Georgia added a fourth quarter touchdown for good measure, fifty-one to thirteen. It is by far the best that Georgia has looked in a game this season. Larry is that who Georgia too. really is? Say again. Uh, Leary stunk, uh, too. I mean, early open receivers that he missed that could have kind of kept him in the game, and then he didn't, and then it unraveled on him completely. Yes, that is who Georgia is. They are a really good football team. They're talented at every position. And and they can be that. They can be the best team in college football and really good and talented at every position while maybe not being as dominant as they've been in the last two years. They, they don't have Correct. the same personnel on the defensive side that they have had the last yes. couple of years, but they're still really, really good. Let's, let's not forget that Correct. they weren't dominant last year. What, what's interesting to me about Georgia is something that, a lesson that at least a few of my friends need to learn anyway. I, I had a couple of friends that were really displeased with how Ole Miss played on Saturday night. And... I reminded them about Georgia. And no, I am not saying we'll miss is Georgia before you get on your message boards. I'm not. Georgia should have lost to Missouri last year. They didn't, but they should have. They played like crap on the Plains. Terrible. They but they won. They beat Missouri and Columbia. They beat Auburn at Auburn. You're just you're not gonna get an, a group of eighteen to twenty two year olds absolute best on a weekly basis. 
what separates what Georgia's been the last two and now a half years and others is that they have survived and won those games. And then when they really turn it on, this yeah. is what they are. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I agree with everything you said. They're talented enough that even when they don't play their best, they can kind of dig down deep and get it done. And then when you catch a Saturday where they do play their best, you better you better hold on. Yeah. And to me, that's the thing that's a little scary about when Ole Miss goes there on November 11th. If Ole Miss plays well between now and then, there are going to be lots and lots of people that are talking about, well, here this dangerous Ole Miss offense and Georgia's you know, hasn't really been tested. And that's, that is a scary proposition to give Kirby Smart in terms of motivating his team of you got to be at your absolute best in this one. We'll see. A lot, lot to go between now and then. 108,101 in College Station. Saw a 3-3 game after a quarter. A 17-10 halftime lead for Texas A&M over Georgia. And then a second half obliteration. 14 third quarter points for Alabama, similar to what they did to Ole Miss, where they kind of pulled away in the third quarter. And then a riveting fourth quarter that saw Texas A&M outscore Alabama 3-2. to two. <laughs> Adds up to a 26-21. Exciting game. For, yeah. the, uh, for the Crimson Tide. And, uh, Alabama plays poorly and wins. I mean, that's... That's, and, that's, and that's the story there. and To me, the biggest takeaway is the progress of Jalen Milrow. So against Mississippi State, he was 10 of 12, only had two incompletions against Texas A&M with that really good defensive line. And by the way, Milrow was sacked six times in the game. He was 21 of 33 for 321 yards with three touchdowns and a pick. Yeah. And oh, by the way, the um, the running game, not much there for Alabama. They only had 23 yards net rushing. 54 yards on the ground, but 23 net. Or I guess 66 positive rush yards with the sack yardage backed it off there. Um, so Alabama kind of, uh, kind of rolling along at this point. And, you know, you, you look at Bama and, and my question is, okay, who gets them? Because if, if you're watching it from an Ole Miss perspective, then you need LSU to beat You need a Texas A&M to beat Alabama. Yeah. You, you need LSU to beat Alabama and probably somebody else, and you need there to be a three-way tie at the top of the division. Or you beat Georgia where there's only one loss, and then it gets into like a round-robin deal and – I think in that scenario, Ole Miss would actually win a tiebreaker. I think. I do wonder if but, you would rather Alabama go to the SEC championship, you beat Georgia, and go 11-1, and as opposed to having to beat well, Georgia twice. It might be something to that. Because the Pac-12 could cannibalize. I mean, the Big Ten could cannibalize. Ohio State and Michigan have not played Penn State yet, and vice versa. That's so right. that's possible. I mean, Florida State's played with fire a little bit. I don't know. I, the, the options there are crazy. I, I do think, I think we, that's getting all that's getting way, oh, way, way, absolutely. way, way ahead of ourselves. No, uh, no doubt. You get you got to beat Auburn first because uh, that won't be easy. We got to talk about Jimbo's clock management though. Fourth and goal from the two. 
You have all three of your timeouts. You use one of those timeouts to kick a field goal. As opposed to going for it there, knowing that you've got to get the ball back anyway. So you waste a timeout, limiting your opportunity to stop the clock later, and you kick the field goal after the timeout anyway. If you're going to kick the field goal, go kick the field goal. Either that or or use the if you're gonna take your timeout, then you might as well go for it at that point. But you've got to you have to have a touchdown and a field goal. There's a chance that you're not getting any closer than the two yard line. And you can kick a field goal from the thirty seven yard line. So save those timeouts, go for it on fourth and two, score your touchdown, and then all you have to do is get the ball back and move it a little bit. Instead, you kick the field goal, you waste a timeout, and when you get the ball back with no timeouts left, and what was it? It was under two minutes. You have to go score a touchdown. You have to go mm-hmm. all the way down the field. Just little things like that that he, he doesn't do well. I, I agree, though I disagree with what you're saying there. I, I am of the opinion if you have to have two scores and you don't get the score, the touchdown that you need, like if you go for the touchdown there and you don't get it, the game's over. So put the points on the board, but it's malpractice to burn a timeout to get to that decision. Yeah, the, the timeout usage is the, the real problem. The other one is, you know, tomato, tomato, you know, yeah. fine either way. But I, wasting a timeout you. to kick the field goal there is just ridiculous. You, you, He lost the game taking that timeout. Yeah, you're right. There is. Um, Alabama schedule looking ahead. Next three are at home, Arkansas, Tennessee, and LSU. Then they go to Kentucky, get Chattanooga, and they go to Auburn. So that's what's left for Alabama. LSU beat Missouri. We'll talk more about that game when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. If you uh, had one of those Genteel pullovers this weekend, you felt great at the ballgames. A little cool, but not cold. You know, you're rocking the Genteel golf shirt, and then you got the pullover on top, and it was absolutely perfect. Plus, they look fantastic. You can get them with your team's logo on them at genteelapparel.com. Going through some of the other games in the SEC and around the country, LSU 49, Missouri 39. This was a wildly entertaining football game. And it was back and forth, and for the longest time, it looked like it was there for the taking for Missouri. And then LSU kind of got it going late. They had the last two scores of the ballgame. So Missouri jumped out to an 8 nothing lead after a two-point conversion. LSU scored later in the first quarter. Then Missouri scored. Then Missouri scored again. They led it 22-7. to uh, And then it was one-score game the rest of the way. I mean, after LSU kind of chipped it back. So 
LSU got a, a field goal to make it 22-10, to 10, and it was 22-17, and then 25-17, and just close. LSU took the lead 27-25. Missouri immediately responded with a touchdown, and then LSU responded a couple of possessions later with the touchdown to go back in front, and then Missouri back in front. Let's see, in the fourth quarter, you had one, you had three lead changes in the fourth quarter. LSU taking a 35-32 lead, Missouri going in front 39-35, and then LSU with a uh, touchdown to go back in front 42-39. And then I mentioned earlier a world-class backdoor cover thanks to a 17-yard interception return for a touchdown, and LSU wins the game by 10. So LSU's 4-2, they're 3-1 in the league. Missouri's first loss of the season. i, I got to be honest. I think I'm more impressed with Missouri after that game than I was before. I know they didn't win it, but I thought Brady Cook was good. Luther Burden is a really, really good receiver. So is Theo Weiss. Um, I just thought there. I mean, Brady Brady Cook threw for four eleven and a couple of touchdowns. They have a vertical passing game, and they take a lot of shots down the field. And they're pretty good running the ball. Cody Schrader had over 100 yards on the ground and three rushing touchdowns. Jake Daniels' stat line looks so different this week than what it has in recent weeks, and it's because LSU finally got it going on the ground. 274 yards rushing for LSU. Buck 34 for Logan Diggs. 130 for Jaden Daniels. And that's taking 15 out for yardage loss with sacks. He was 15 to 21 with three touchdowns. And 259 through the air. They're good. They're, they're on the offensive side, they're really, really good. And then they got some stops, which was the issue a couple of weeks ago in Oxford. LSU could not get the stop when they had to have it. And they got some stops this week. A couple of sacks, a couple of interceptions, forced to fumble, didn't recover it. But what'd you guys think of that one? How much of it did you watch? Hey Dan, I guess you couldn't watch much of that one because you were at the state game. Oh, I had it. Had we had a uh, a spare laptop going, so that game was on that. Along we uh, we had another device with the Oklahoma Texas game up, so I got to see a, a decent amount of it uh, because I was not locked in to Mississippi State's game. Fair. And uh, I thought Missouri had it in the bag there for a little bit, and somehow in between the time I clicked send. On the article I put on supertalk.fm and the time I got into the press conference uh, media center and pulled the game back up on my laptop, uh, they had given it away. And I thought, but I did think this, you know, you two, no, 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 I'm not trying to call y'all out or anything, but you guys, I thought y'all were pretty, like, LSU's going to win this game easily last week. I know you were, Richard. And I thought Missouri showed that yeah, they're not going to challenge yeah. Georgia or anything like that, but that's a good football team. They have a, a big game this weekend with Kentucky. That's really going to determine, are they going to be a possibly second place in the East kind of team, or are they just going to sort of fall off a little bit and go 7-5 and five and, and take it from there? The over was also a really nice play in that game. Easy money. And a half, Easy. LSU, overs, LSU overs feel like a pretty safe bet this year. Yeah. Pretty heady win for them, though. Uh, I mean, that... They go on the road, emotional game, they lose it, and then it's a, a different time slot, but same thing. They had to get themselves up 
on the road, charged up environment, and they got down early. And Daniels got hurt there for a while. And they powered through it and won. That was, you know, for an LSU fan out there, shout out Amanda, I guess. That that was a, a heady win from your team that, that could have been kind of a breaking point of, you know, here, here you go again. And has there been any quarterback in the country more impressive to this point, especially when you consider resume, than Jaden Daniels? Who he's he played? You could argue Caleb Williams, you could argue Michael Penix, but it, it's an argument. I mean, and, and LSU has played a more difficult schedule than those two have? I mean, LSU has played three games now that are more difficult than what Caleb Williams has had to play, at least yeah. what they present on the other side of the ball anyway. I know going to Folsom Field's not easy, but Colorado's going to give up points and yards to anybody competent. But with both of those quarterbacks, there's a lot of pressure to score every time you get the ball. Yeah, because you're not sure what the defenses yeah. are going to do. Hey, you know, here's the crazy thing about LSU: their schedule just turned. Right, they've still got Alabama, and that's in Tuscaloosa on November fourth. But they get Auburn at home this Saturday night. Following Saturday night, October twenty first, they get Army at home. They go to Bama, then they get Florida at home. They get Georgia State at home, and they get Texas A and M at home. Jalen Milroe can make plays with his feet. I guess Auburn's quarterback, to some degree, can make some plays with their feet, but they can't throw it. I don't see any way that Auburn is beating LSU with that LSU offensive firepower. Auburn cannot keep up with LSU offensively. They just can't. Army, the Alabama Super Bowl. Florida feels like they're getting better. Obviously, you expect them to win the Georgia State game. And based on what we've seen, I don't think that A&M can keep up in a shootout. So the question is, is LSU going to lose again? You know, how do you feel about the LSU-Alabama game is the question. To me. I mean, I think worst case scenario, this LSU team's going nine and three. Based on what the schedule looks like the rest of the way. Oklahoma over Texas was a heck of a lot of fun. Dylan Gabriel was the better of the two quarterbacks on Saturday. It was. And Borky pointed to the experience earlier. You could tell. Yeah, how about Oklahoma, man? Uh, despite the uh, Syracuse.com writer's opinion that Oklahoma, I guess, didn't beat Texas bad enough to jump them in the rankings, they were an abject disaster a year ago. They were awful. And schedule benefited them uh, up until this point, but do you see a loss? Yeah, it's college football. They come. It happens. But Oklahoma's now in the driver's seat to make the playoff in year two under Venables. And right now, I saw the uh, the, the message board geniuses guy uh, f- pull up Southern Cal message boards and were saying, maybe we should trade coaches. <laughs> that Venables team is complete and Lincoln Riley's team is not. That cracks me up. But yeah, man, that that's a really good win in a team that... Uh, Proved a lot of people wrong. And Jeff Levy's good at his job. He is. 
Uh, the game against Kansas on the road. That, so they've got an open. Uh, let's see, it's it's uh, open date this week, and then they host UCF. They go to Kansas, go to Oklahoma State. Last edition of Bedlam in Stillwater. West Virginia at home. They go to BYU and they host TCU. So the question is, do you see a loss outside of the road trip to Kansas? Not one that's like staring you in the face. It's crazy that we're talking about Kansas being being like that, but they are like that. They're good. By the way, uh, late submission to winners, basketball schools. Although, I don't know if Louisville counts as a basketball school, school anymore based on what they did last season, but North Carolina, Louisville, Duke, UCLA, Kansas, and Kentucky are all ranked in the football poll at the same time Ooh. for the first time ever. Wow. Is there anybody that would not sign up for a rematch of Red River in the Big 12 title game? Oh, bring it on. Nobody. Maybe Oklahoma State fans. Yeah, well, whatever. They get beat by Oklahoma every year anyway. (laughs) They're a man. They're 40. (laughs) They're 40. Yeah. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Back with you after this Pearl River Resort Studio. in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Let's go to Hattiesburg. Southern Miss and Old Dominion on Saturday night. Old Dominion wins the game 17-13. to The 10 points for Southern Miss came field goal in the first quarter, interception return, I'm sorry, a punt return for a touchdown with nine seconds left in the first quarter. It was an 82-yard punt return for um, T. Mims, Quaylen Mims. And Southern Miss kicked a field goal at the midway point of the third quarter. So offensively, the Golden Eagles scored six points on what was a two-and-three Old Dominion team. There's I mean, no getting around that. Frank Gore no. I mean, I carries it 29 times for 66 yards for an average of 2.3. Rodriguez Clark carries it carries it seven times for thirty nine yards. Billy Wiles was okay, fifteen of twenty six, hundred and sixty six yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, it's just nothing there offensively. This was this was the drive chart for Southern Miss. And we lost. Well, I don't have that drive chart chart in front of me. There he goes again. Uh, Not not near as bad as uh, as Friday. I mean, we we made it two hours and forty minutes. I can I can probably guess what the drive chart was though. Bad, bad, worse. Field goal, bad, bad, worse, bad. Field goal, 
bad, bad. What do you think? Probably and, pretty close. So, and this is what he was supposed to be good at, right? This is what you were supposed to be good at. When, mm-hmm. when you hire an offensive-minded coach, an offensive coordinator, whatever it is, you should be good at the thing that they bring to the table, right? That, that's just that's what fans you expect. Should. Mississippi State fans yeah. expect to be good defensively because who their head coach is. Ole Miss fans expect to be good offensively because of who their head coach is. And and Florida fans, when they hired Mullen, expected to have good offense. And on and on and on. That that is what mm. that that is the baseline expectation. Texas, yeah, we're good. Uh, Texas uh, expects to be good offense. We know what to do at this point with right. him getting cycled off there. We we we've got it. It'll be okay. Um, yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, and, and I think we were all in the off season. You know, hey, when they once they get this quarterback situation taken care of, they're going to be good to go, and that that team's going to be rolling, and, and they've got Frank Gore, and they're going to be just fine. And in, instead, it's it's been. A complete 180 of what my preseason expectations were, which is I thought this team could compete in the Sun Belt for for a possibly the the, the conference championship, and it, they're just not good. You know, it, it's kind of a we, we talked about it. We don't want to rip anybody off, but there's kind of a good, bad, and ugly this year in 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 the state of Mississippi. Ole Miss is the good, State's the bad, but Southern Miss is the ugly right now. They are just not playing winning football. Yeah, and now, so what an interesting time. Uh, right, because we, we talked last week about the statement from the athletic director, and then he went on the Eagle Hour to kind of say, you know, that that doesn't mean anything. It's just a, this statement. Let the fans know that I hear them and and things of that nature. But um, it's not. Th- this is not sustainable. And I don't know what you do if you're Jeremy McLean. I, what what do you do as of this moment? Because he, yeah, that's that's the it, that's the thing, right? It's like. What do you do? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because, you know, year one, year two kind of played out how when a coach takes over a, a, a program that's floundering a bit, how they should go, right? Year one, they were competitive, they played hard, and, and you got you got the idea, that, okay, they're going to keep continue to improve. Year two, back to a bowl game. They look like they've got a good team coming back. They got to fix their quarterback issues. They go out in the transfer portal. They get a guy that they like. He wins the quarterback job. Should be all systems go, and instead, this team is not good, and you know their schedule is difficult on the way on the back end here, and they've still got another non-conference game against an SEC team that, in all likelihood, they're going to lose. This is not what I expected from Southern Miss this year, not at all, and I, I really thought they were going to be a much better football team. But even if you had told me, okay, they're going to struggle, I did not think they would struggle like this. I mean, they're just no. getting whipped these past few weeks, and, and the the timing of of this is is awful, and, and in part because the Sun Belt is a, a better league. But you, you look around the Sun Belt, and like Texas State, for example, uh, they, they I think they just broke ground on a, a new football performance facility, and and the the price of poker has gone up. It, it's not Conference USA anymore, where Louisiana Tech's getting. 1300 people to, to come to their game last Thursday night. You know, this is this is different. This is a league filled with give up, you know what. And I'm not saying so miss does not and their fans do not because they do. Uh, but the 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 challenge has increased. 
And when you make that transition, the timing of having a what appears to be a a, a really bad team could not be worse to to time it up this way. And and I, I feel for the fans honestly. I, I feel I feel bad for Southern Miss fans uh, ha- having to sit through that is it's painful. It's really painful. And I, I just it, it's kind of a venting session. I feel for you. Mm-hmm. We got it. We got it. I, I know. <laughs> well, we know at this point. Like like we're just sitting here like, yeah. you know, what do we do? <laughs> we're we're okay. We're okay. Yeah. <sighs> We get this question. Year is it three? NIL slash recruiting, yeah. coaching, locker room? Where's the no. disconnect? We don't know. I don't yeah. know the answer. Not NIL. But, but they didn't lose in the portal. Now, they lost Brownlee to the yeah. NFL. Had a, I think he had a catch yesterday for the Patriots. Played the Saints yesterday. But they were able to maintain. Plays for the Jets, doesn't he? Yeah, J- plays for the Jets. Who caught a pass yesterday for the Patriots? Uh, Not matter. very many people. Uh, I don't know the answer. Uh, 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 whatever. Whatever. But... Point being, NIL is, some is, is never going to be. Yeah, NIL is never really going to be an issue for Southern Miss. The recruits that are after NIL aren't the recruits that Southern Miss is going to be looking after. They might want some small deal, but when you talk about the big recruits that are getting NIL deals, Southern Miss isn't on, in on those recruits. Exactly, that's exactly right. But and they were able to maintain their roster, and they brought in some tra- some Power Five transfers. I mean. Roster composition and everything made sense going into this season. It, it, it totally made sense, and they had a, a quarterback competition with, with multiple guys in it, and one emerged, and the, the process felt okay. That is that is a question that I'm wondering, frankly, and I, I don't I don't know the answer, and and we never will know the answer. But there clearly is a disconnect. Whether it's maybe it's team buy-in maybe some poor evaluations a- a- along the way. But w- when you're scoring six points uh, offensively, when when health isn't exactly against the issue the like team. it's been in years past against a bad team. Yeah, Old Dominion is not a good team. This, yeah, this, this, is a, this, is a, this is a nightmare scenario. Because, I mean, when you look at State, right, it's year one with a head coach that had no experience. Yeah. You know, obviously, I was wrong in my predictions about them, but that's so, that's a lot more explainable than third year coach, all, all his his fingerprints on the program, and and you've just fallen apart like this. That it doesn't make any sense. It, 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 it you know, when things things and sometimes, sometimes things in football just don't make sense. You see a team that you think should be good and they're not. This is one of those things. Yeah. So they're should be better than this, and they're not. And and I don't envy Jeremy. Like I said before, I don't envy Jeremy McLean right now because I mean attendance was poor already. It was yeah. already bad. What do you think it's going to be now? And you, you can't sustain as an athletic department that is not exactly swimming in a lot of cash by not having anybody come through the door for your football games. That's that's not a sustainable thing, and uh, you've already and now baseball. I think baseball is going to go fine. It's not a knock on Scott Barry, but I I think the same thing is going to happen that happened with him. Uh, they're going to move right into Austrian, and it's going to be great. But you have a transition going on in in your most successful program, at least at the moment. Uh, that's happening, and and now you're up against this. 
it's a numbers game. And, and I wonder if if they feel like they can, if it continues to go down this road, if they feel like they can afford, like financially afford, to run it back again. Yeah. I, I feel like he's safe for this year. I think he'll be back next year for sure. But, I mean, they, like you said, it, it's a one-year game now. Every every year is a one-year game. Mm-hmm. You win the national championship, but the next year you're you're five and seven. You could lose your job. Yeah, it's just as simple as that. Just want to let you know, by the way, if my uh, my remote, if my line ever goes out at like the five forty-five mark, I'm calling it a day. I'm calling no five forty-five, and that thing goes out. I'm waving goodbye. I'm turning off the camera. I'm going to the house. You don't need me the last 10 minutes. You'll yeah. be all right. 601-879-4395 is the text line. We'll figure all this out, and we'll be back here shortly. The innocence away. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. It doesn't get any better than this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Good to be back with you. Hope you guys had fun. Ha ha ha! Hey, Dad. There we go. Sorry. Do you want to just not want me to make we, motions? We know what we're doing. It'll be all, you, you cut out every day. We figured it out. We have a process at this point. Yeah, but Borky doesn't look at me. It's like he's looking at uh, something other than like he's seeing me, me on the camera. He's looking at me. He's, 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 we're talking. Yes, I told, I told uh, Michael in the break, I said, if my uh, my line goes out at 545, bye. See you tomorrow. <laughs> so you're saying if you, you were you can handle the last just packed 10 minutes. up and hit the road, I'd be like, you know what, I'm good. You, you, you guys, you guys, you take us home. Uh, Polk's pick six last week. That was week six. Oh. We had a total of how many? So, Donner, come on. Uh, no, no, no. 665 entrants this past week. So close. Of those 665, 17 properly or correctly chose Old Dominion over Southern Miss, Ole Miss over Arkansas, Mississippi State over Western Michigan, LSU over Missouri, Bama over A&M, and Oklahoma over Texas. Uh, and so... We go to a tiebreaker, and the winner on the tiebreaker, which was total number of points in the Ole Miss-Arkansas game, uh, which the uh, the total was 47, closest to that number was Marty with 52 for his tiebreaker. So, Marty, going to send you a text message, and you can respond to that uh, with your mailing address, and we will get your prize package from Polk's on the way Post haste. Sports Talk Mississippi, thanks for being with us. Yes. I had one more loser submission, by the way. Okay. Which is there's so much that we, we didn't get to do the full scope of of winners and losers today. That's okay. Lots to cover. Of loserdom. Um maybe it's because we're too long winded. Sean Payton, but more specifically the the Denver Broncos. 
So the Denver Broncos are 0-5. They stink out loud. Their five losses are two. <laughs> we got a soundtrack for this one? What's going on? They're, they're five. They're, yeah, they're vacuuming out there. They're not doing anything wrong. It's just that door, just by six films. inches thick, is uh, is not thick enough, apparently. Anyway, so in game one, they lost to their the, the Broncos lost to their former head coach in Josh McDaniels. In game two, they lost to their former defensive coordinator in Jack Del Rio. In Game 3, they lost to their former head coach, Vic Fangio. In Game 4, they lost to their former ball boy on the sidelines in Mike McDaniel. And in Game number 5, they lost to their former head coach in Nathaniel Hackett. Mm. <laughs> we're, we're doing late losers here. Put Bill Belichick on the list. I think we can safely uh, settle the Brady-Belichick debate. It was Brady. He was the one they won the that were, he was the reason they won those games in those Super Bowls. That team is putrid bad. Shocking. The Saints bad. score that many points and shut you out? Goodness gracious. Although Dan Orvlosky had the audacity to say this morning that if uh, Brock Purdy and Mac Jones switched places, they would have the exact same numbers. Meaning that Purdy would be putting up Jones numbers and Jones would be putting up Purdy numbers uh, if they just switched places. Like, okay. I'm sure if we go back 20 years, somebody would say the same for like Brady and yeah. Donovan. I, I watched Mac Jones overthrow 10-yard out routes all day yesterday from the golf course. That's gross. And you're telling me that Brock Purdy is the same guy, Dan? That's what you're telling me? Purdy's great. When he stopped diminishing, he is... Yes, he's got weapons. He's in a good system. But, buddy, he produces. He does. This year, last year, every opportunity that he's had. I mean, it's the NFL. How many teams don't have great weapons? Derek Carr has great weapons. They all do. C.J. Stroud is impressive because he doesn't, and he's still producing himself. What a great pick that was for Houston, by the way. Looks pretty good so far. Really does. It really, really does. Hey, if you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota is the place to go. They're located at Highway 6 West. And for a long time, I've been telling you about service after the sale. There are lots of dealerships that say that, but not everybody always follows through on it. Belk Ford has a new program in place called Pickup and Delivery. What does that mean? Well, it means if you buy a vehicle from Belk Ford and you live in the local area, for the service needs for your vehicle, they will come pick it up, take care of what you need, and they will bring it back to you at no charge. Now, you obviously pay for the oil change or the tire rotation, or if there are repairs that need to be made that are outside of uh, the warranty, you, you do that. But they'll take the, con- the the hassle out of bringing your vehicle in. Pick up and delivery from Belk Ford on Highway 6 West in Oxford, just part of the service after the sale and treating you like family that would tell you about all the time. Stop by, check out the great selection of Ford cars, trucks, and SUVs, and Toyota cars, trucks, and SUVs at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota Highway 6 West in Oxford. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. We'll re-rack it and do it again tomorrow. We'll get into what happened in the NFL, start to uh, look toward the week. we got the fishy line coming up, plus guests on the Farm Bureau guest line. All of that tomorrow on Sports Talk Mississippi. Good night. 
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.